This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. And today we have a really special guest here. We have Wendy Papazon on, who's going to tell us all about her experience investing in real estate in Austin. So quick background on Wendy. She has been in real estate for 20 years. Of course, she's in real estate full time. She runs teams in Austin, Minneapolis, and Houston. She has a current portfolio of 12 buy and hold properties that they hold currently. And she's from Austin, Texas. We'll tell you how to get a hold of her here later. Hey, Wendy, how are you? I'm doing great, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on here. I love listening to your podcast, so it's awesome to have you on as a guest. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. Well, I always, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I grew up in Moorhead, Minnesota. So whenever I see your last name, I feel a certain, I feel a certain kinship to you. So there you go. And it's yeah. funny, I lived in Minnesota for quite a few years. So yeah, yeah, we have the Minnesota connection. There you go. So real quick, just tell our guests who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing. Sure. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Wendy Papazan, and I run the Papazan Properties Group here at Keller Williams in Austin, Texas. I actually started my career as a real estate investor. So I was a real estate investor for eight years before I actually got my real estate license. And the reason I got my real estate license was to save money on investment properties. And unfortunately, what happened was, is I got quite good at being a realtor and uh, which left me less and less time for investing, which kind of still makes me sad. Uh, but my true love is definitely being an investor. I love working with investing clients. I love helping people build their wealth. Um, I love talking about wealth building. I love I love looking at, at properties. I've got a little apprentice who's been shadowing for me for the last two weeks, and I've been making her do pro formas for the last uh, two weeks. Wow. And so really my heart is, is really around investing. Love it. So you guys have a, a meetup. The grid meetup? Yeah, we have a grid meetup. We have an Austin investor group uh, where we meet once a month and we talk about kind of building build, building a real estate network because uh, investing alone is almost impossible. You need a good team around you. And so that's kind of what we're doing is just connecting people uh, from different parts of the real estate industry and um, making everybody better. Yeah, I love that. So you have a podcast too called The Empire Builders. Yep, Empire Building Podcast. Uh, you can go to empirebuildingpodcast.com or you can download the podcast. It's bright yellow. You can't miss it uh, on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you listen to your podcast. And it's how to build a big business and even bigger life. And we definitely talk about wealth building on there. We also talk about um, how to build a big business, but then also how to have a like a kick butt life. So yeah, I think that's really important. You know, you get so focused on the business and, and building your investment portfolio, and then you leave your whole life behind. Maybe you hit your goals and wake up one day and say, oh, I've, I've got all the money I've ever wanted and nobody's there. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, most of us get into real estate investing because we want freedom. You know, we're looking for some kind of financial freedom. And if you look up and you've got freedom, but you don't have anything else, I mean, then what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. So, Wendy, you're not from Austin. How did you make your way to Austin here? And then why did mm -hmm. you start investing in Austin here? So um, I'm originally from Moorhead, Minnesota, which is like the twin city to Fargo, North Dakota. It's like a little kind of farming community in northern Minnesota. It's very cold up there. Everybody who grows up there has what I call a lot of grit. So that's where I got some of my real estate grit. Uh, all of my family, all my extended family are farmers, which is also a pretty gritty uh, uh, um, you know, way to make a living. Mm -hmm. So I went to University of Wisconsin in Madison, uh, which I thought was really far south. It was about eight hours south. And uh, so I definitely was, I hate, I don't like the cold. So that was a, a good move for me. 
And then when I graduated, um, I love the idea of freedom. So I took a backpacking trip around the world uh, for about 18 months and I traveled around the world for myself and uh, ended up landing in New York and then hitchhiking back across Canada. And I lived in Fargo for a summer and some Fargo felt pretty small. So I had some friends who were living in New York City and I moved to New York City and lived in New York City for about four years. I met my husband there. I like to say he's one in 11 million. And um, he and I decided that we were going to quit our jobs, take a long honeymoon. So again, we, we kind of put our backpacks on and traveled around the world for a few months. And then along the way, um, I had visited Austin a lot, and every time I had come to Austin, I felt a real attraction and kin kinship to the people and the weather and just everything, the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I said to, to, to my husband, Jay, I said, well, what do you think about, what do you think about moving to Austin? And he had never been here. And, uh, and so he was open to the idea. And so when we, we came back after our honeymoon, we uh, visited, and uh, for those of you listening that are in Austin, it was one of those days in January where you just walk around and you feel so superior because the weather is so fantastic to the rest of the world, and it was horrible and snowing in New York City, and New York City in the winter is just the worst. And uh, so we were sitting in Zilker Park, and watching the soccer players, because my husband's a soccer fan, and uh, as the soccer players were leaving, they had two beers, and they basically said, hey, you guys look like you need a beer, which if you've ever been to Austin, you know that that's not uncommon, right? People are super friendly here. And so my husband was sold, and we didn't know a single person. We didn't have uh, jobs here. We just picked up and moved into the Zilker neighborhood, into an apartment, and um, Jay was a freelancer at first, and then he got into working with Keller Williams. And as soon as he got into the Keller Williams ecosystem, we knew we needed to buy a house. So we bought our first house, and then three years later, I got pregnant, and our first house was our first investment property. And the rest is history. That's awesome. I love you know, the, the whole living in a house, making a rental when you move out. Mm -hmm. or house hacking, making it a rental when you move out. I think that's such an easy, cheap, low down payment way to do it. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what I'm doing now right here in East Austin. I've been yeah. doing it since 2016. Yeah, it's so smart. So our first investment property, we it was a little two, two bedroom, one bath, a little stucco house in the Zilker neighborhood. And at the time, Zilker neighborhood was South Austin. Now it's Central Austin. I mean, and, the, and at one point it was South Central. And um, it was at the height of the tech bubble. So we actually thought that we overpaid for it because it was hard to find a house. It was like 2001. And, um, and so we thought we had kind of wildly overpaid for it, which is kind of funny because people feel the same way now. And, you know, I tell people, Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Same with real estate. And second best time is today. And so we bought this little pink, it was like a salmon colored stucco house. And um, I can remember when we got our first tenants in there, they pulled up in their BMW and they, they made more than we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember being like amazed by that. But like, wow, they have a BMW. They make so much more than we do. And we're the landlords. And so like that little secret has, I've like kept in my pocket. And so we've had that little house. Um, we, we, we bought it for 175. I think we put three and a half percent down. So we spent about six or $7,000 to buy it. Um, the mortgage now, we still have a mortgage on it. It's about $80,000. And I'm sure, you know, Jordan, that home prices in that neighborhood have appreciated quite a bit. Yeah. And last I updated my net worth, it's probably worth three quarters of a million dollars. So that $6,500 investment way back when has turned into about $600,000 $600, return. That's a pretty good return. Yeah. And we've had complete strangers pay our debt down all those years. <laughs> so 
you know, it sounds like you're a, a true buy and hold investor. So you're mm-hmm. buying stuff and you're holding on to it for forever. Yeah. Well, Warren Buffett says the best time to sell a good asset is never. Yeah. No, I love that. I think there's so many different ways. Obviously, you can you can churn properties, you can take that money, put it somewhere else, but the gold tried and true of buy and hold forever absolutely works, of course, because you have what a thousand percent return on your initial. Well, yeah, more than that, probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably like a ten thousand returns. Somebody needs to do the math. Somebody out there on Facebook, real quick. Yeah, that's hard to do that math. Sixty five hundred and into six hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a good investment. Yeah. And it's a solid little house. And of course, we've updated it and, and spent money on it over the years. And yet um, it's it's just been a fantastic little investment for us. And it's, you know, it's never been a tremendous cash flow, even now. That's that's the crazy part is it doesn't really cash flow very well. And yet it doesn't matter to us. You know, we've we actually don't need the cash flow. Both my husband and I are employed, and that's not why we're buy and hold investors. At some point, we w- when when it's paid off, and we do have quite a few of our properties that are paid off now because um, we're working towards that financial freedom. Actually, we're there. We're financially free, yeah. um, and uh, and um, so yeah, it's been it's been a, a great property for us. I love that. So you bought a two bed, one bath, you know, you mm-hmm. thought you overpaid for it. You moved to the next one. Yeah. You after that. Yeah. Well, we moved to our second house and our second house is also a rental property for us. It's in Barton Hills. So we bought that for, uh, the, it was, we bought it as an estate sale in 2004 and the market back then actually had slowed down quite a bit and, um, it was an estate sale. So we got a really good deal on it even back then. And we were, we were looking for a good deal. It was vintage 1972, had bright yellow countertops. Um, I mean, it was homely. And, uh, and so we just remodeled it room by room year by year. I mean, honestly, we didn't go in and got it. Um, we, we, we did put in new flooring. So the price was 245 and, uh, we, we offered 250 knowing we could get 5,000 back in clothing costs and we would spend that on a, um, on an, on new floors. And again, we, we only put five, maybe 10% down. I don't know. It wasn't a lot. Uh, most people, they sell their first house and then they put 20% down. And, and this house was more of like a lateral move for us. It was bigger, right? But it was more like a lateral move. And that house has appreciated also. So we bought that for two forty five, two fifty. Um, now it's probably worth over a million. And uh, that one has actually cash flowed really well. So our mortgage payment's about twenty one hundred dollars, and I just raised the rent to forty three hundred bucks. Wow. So that one has has yeah, and that's a four bedroom. So that helps. So word to the wise: don't buy a two bedroom, one bath. Buy something bigger. Buy a three two or a four two. So that was our second house, and um, and then after that is when, after my second child was born, I quit my job, and so that's when we started to get into more actively uh, doing real estate. So we did a flip. We had a flip that we uh, that was unsuccessful. Well, it wasn't unsuccessful, but we only made like about five hundred dollars on it. Um, and I wish we'd kept it, you know, but it was a learning experience for us. We did, we subdivided a piece of land in Travis Heights. Um, We bought a property that we were going to flip with a partner and um, we ended up not being able to to flip that because it was in 2006 and the market started to go down. So we couldn't sell it and make money on it. So we kept that one, which was great. It was 78704, which is an awesome location. Also appreciated a lot. So I'm glad we got to hang on to that one. Uh, we bought a duplex in Barton Hills for like 205000 wow. And we bought it with a partner. Unfortunately, he wanted to sell. So in 2009, we couldn't refinance it. The, in, the mortgage industry was so tight back then that uh, we couldn't refinance it. And so we had to let that one go, which is so sad. I wish I had that duplex in Barton Hills. It was actually my first listing as a realtor. Um, 
So there is that. It launched my real estate career. Yeah. And so we've done all the things, you know, we've done uh, pretty much everything that you can imagine. And at the end of the day, uh, what has created the most wealth for us uh, and you know we own multiple businesses has been our buy and hold real estate and and thankfully you know we've we live in a market that's appreciated wildly and even if it hadn't a, a huge part of our net worth would still be tied up in these properties so we just bought um we just made an offer on a property last week actually so now we're invested in Kyle's my third property in Kyle um and you know I probably spend one to two hours a month on my rental properties. Yeah, I love that. You know, so there are a few things I want to talk about that you talked about. Everybody I talked to that's ever been a flipper or wholesaler or a realtor said, man, I should have bought and held more of these properties. Mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you how many people have told me that exact thing. But just buying and holding long-term has so many benefits. You know, like you said, you're in Austin, we're in Austin, you buy and hold here for 10 years, it's been crazy. But no matter where you bought and held on to it, it's, it's paying down the mortgage. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yeah, paying down complete strangers, pay your debt off. I mean, I tell clients, I'm like, hey, do you want to pay for college 25 cents on the dollar? Yeah. And they're like, what? I'm like, would you like to pay for college 25 cents on the dollar? And they're like, well, sure I do. Okay, great. You're going to buy an investment property. You're going to put it on a 15-year note. You're going to put 25% down and complete strangers are going to pay your debt down so that in 15 years, if you've got a toddler right now, by the time the toddler is 18, that 75% will have been paid off. Thank you, complete strangers. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. now you're, you're so today in, in the recent past, you're still investing and Kyle. So people always say, oh, you can't invest in Austin or you can't invest around yeah. Austin. But no, I, I saw you at a closing recently. Mm -hmm. You had a closing during the pandemic where you and Jay mm -hmm. had masks on yep. closing outside. Yep. 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 So we bought um, one in November um, last year in Kyle that, that we paid 232 for it. It gets 1850 in rent. Um, it cash flows because we we put thirty percent down and it's already appreciated. It's probably worth three hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's it, our insane market. Um, and I just um, I have an investor that I've been working with, and every agent that I talk to, I say to them, "Hey, if you have a deal that's going to fall through, call me first. Don't put it back on the market." And so that little strategy, just talking to to agents kind of constantly paid off. I had a woman call me and she said, I have a client. Um, she had her house, the, the house was under contract. It was in the two seventies and um, their dog just had puppies and they don't want to deal with putting it back on the market again. So, you know, are you interested? Is your, is your investor interested? So I looked at the numbers and it did need some work. Uh, but it had, you know, a new roof, a new AC, it needed foundation work, it needs about $10,000 worth of foundation work. And I said, what's the cheapest they will sell it for? And she said, 270. <laughs> and so I said, great, I'm gonna take my commission out. So I got it for 261. I'm probably gonna put about $15,000 in there. So that puts me at 276. And I could probably turn around and sell it for about three twenty-five if I wanted to. I'm not going to, yeah. but there's plenty of deals to be had. Yeah, there's always deals to be had because distressed sellers will always want to sell for a discount. Yeah, I got really lucky. This duplex that I'm sitting in right now bought last year in East Austin for three forty-one, which was a good deal then. I yeah, 
put about 65 into it, but now it just appraised for 565. Amazing. Yeah. And there's still deals to be had in Austin. Everybody's been saying, oh, you can't find cash flow or you can't find deals. There are. Disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Disagree. That's fine. If you don't want to invest here anymore, that's fine. I'm good with that. (laughs) I'm good. It helps to know the market like you do. You said, hey, I know where opportunity is. I'm looking Mm -hmm. in Kyle, which is very close to Austin. And it's in between San Antonio and Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really believe that Hayes County, it, it is one of the fastest growing counties in the whole country. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm at the point where, you know, I don't really want to manage a major re- renovation like, you know, you did with your 65,000. Mm-hmm. I would rather just have a newer home and just not deal with it, honestly, and just let uh, appreciation run its course and get a nice family in there and not have to worry about it too much because that's always been my kind of standard is there's a hassle factor attached to real estate investing. And that's why buy and hold is so awesome because you get your systems down, right? So I've got my systems down over the years and, uh, you know, I've got my move in letter. I've got my move out letter. I've got this, I've got that, you know, we find a tenant this way, do to do, we got all these systems and, um, and it just works. It's like a little machine. And of course things happen, but, uh, what's interesting is that, you know, as you, and for those of you that are listening, your capacity to grow and take on the hard things, um, increases exponentially. So I can remember when we were first starting investing and like the AC went out at one of our rentals. I'm sure we probably spent all weekend talking about it. Like, oh my God, I mean, how are we going to pay for it? And what do we do? And this and that, the tenants don't have AC. Like it was consumed our weekend. And now if that happens, it's like, oh, we're done. You know, five minutes later, the problem is, is, is totally handled. And so as you grow in your investing skills, your capacity to deal with some of that stuff increases as well. Yeah, it's so easy. It's mostly just a text message for me anymore. Totally. Text says this is a problem. I text the HVAC guy. He comes and fixes problem. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's why it's okay to invest in other cities. I think you know if you've got at least some kind of support system who can who can check on things occasionally for you because you're not. It's not like you're going over there and fixing things yourself. Although at the beginning, I did do a certain amount of that because I didn't have another job. So I, I didn't learn leverage until I got my real estate business. And that's kind of my one regret is that I didn't leverage out a lot of things. Like I would go and I'd do, I'd do make readies, you know, I'd drag my kids and we would, we would literally like clean floors in a rental property to to turn it over. And, um, I just didn't know. I just really thought that that's, you know, it's kind of like my hardworking farming background. It's like, well, I just better go and clean it myself. You know, I take my kids there and. So that's just what I did. Um, and I spent a lot of time, I, waste, I wasted a lot of time doing that because, I mean, I'm not particularly good at any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't like to clean. Some people do. But so leverage lever, leverage sooner is really the lesson there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I think there's things you absolutely need to leverage and there's some things you probably need to do yourself, you know. Yeah. Actually going out and finding deals might be a better use of your time and cleaning mm-hmm. tools. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yep. So, you know, we talked about your real estate investing strategy, what you've done, um, obviously what you're still doing. How did you get attracted to real estate investing? So obviously Jay mm-hmm. started working with KW. Mm-hmm. There's the millionaire real estate investor poster behind my head there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the reason is that, um, so I, Jay wrote the millionaire real estate investor. And aside from our one rental property, we hadn't really done much investing. And so Jay, Dave Jenks, uh, who's the co-author on the millionaire real estate investor, me and, um, their researcher, Heather E. Russo, we decided we wanted to do a flip together. And so we, we, we had a local real, realtor, Bob Guest, maybe you know him, he's still practicing, great investor realtor, helped us buy a house uh, off of MLK uh, for $50,000. I know. And then about 10 years later, I showed a property next door that was like 350. I was like, oh, why don't we, 
cute, that one. Um, and uh, so that's how we got started. Tons of sweat equity. We ended up hiring a cut rate foundation uh, company who busted the pipes. So that was a very powerful lesson. They, there was no warranty on the plumbing. And uh, we ended up having to pay for the plumbing, which was basically all of our profit. So I think, you know, we all made like a couple hundred bucks. Um, and that, of course, didn't include all the sweat equity we did. I mean, you know, all that stuff. So that kind of was the bug for me because uh, I didn't, you know, I wasn't working. And so that's really where everything started. And I just started to look for deals. So I didn't know anything. I'm kind of a uh, build the plane as you're flying kind of person and hope it works out. And, uh, and so one of our first, um, uh, buy and holds was a property I found on Craigslist. So, um, it's in seven, eight, seven, four, five. It was, it's a darling little bungalow. It was built in the thirties. Um, I didn't know anything. I didn't, you know, it didn't have air conditioning. It just seemed like a great deal. So it was just cute. So I bought it from this couple from off of Craigslist. <laughs> um, and we bought it with a, and most of the properties we bought, we, we bought with partners cause we didn't have any cash. Yeah. Right. So we were able to buy it with a partner. This particular property we bought with, uh, some friends in New York who had $25,000, uh, and they, they couldn't afford to buy anything in New York. And so we bought this little property on St. Elmo, uh, didn't have air conditioning. One of the bedrooms didn't even have a closet in it. Like sometimes I'm just like, Wendy, what were you thinking? But I wasn't in real estate, so I didn't know, you know, I didn't know it was a dumb idea to buy a property like that. But the nice thing about buying and holding is, is that, you know, 15 years makes any real estate decision look amazing. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. And so now what we're doing with a lot of our properties is we're saying like, what's the highest and best use of this property and how can we maximize it? Because, you know, for a lot of our properties that are central, it's the dirt. That's the thing that's the most valuable. And so this one, we're going to be starting construction actually in a couple weeks on our, um, we're going to turn it into our uh, real estate office. So we're going to turn it into a commercial building oh. and we're adding on, Right. And then we've got several other properties that we'd like to to add an ADU to an accessory dwelling unit because uh, we have several that qualify. And so, in order to do that, I'm starting a little like uh, general contracting company to make that happen. Awesome! And then you'll be able to do that for other people after you've done it. Through yeah, your hope. Yeah, exactly. Because it's very much in demand. Yeah. No, I yeah. I work with a developer who lifted a house over a house he was flipping in 78723 so mm -hmm. now they have a house in the backyard that they mm -hmm. condoed off and sold and then they have yeah. that too. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah, I mean it's really the land that's worth everything now. So Yeah. Yep. And you know, one of the best decisions we ever made was moving into our third house in Barton Hills. Um so I knew um I knew we wanted to kind of move up and there's a lot of unique lots in Barton Hills. And so I knew I wanted to purchase a unique lot, uh, maybe with a view or, you know, I definitely wanted a pool. And so I spent about two years looking for what I would consider a unique lot with a, that was a good deal. Um, and so we ended up buying this property off market. It's on a huge lot in Barton Hills, almost a half an acre. And um, it was kind of like, it was actually what I would consider the ugliest house in Barton Hills. And the, this, this woman had owned it since 1986 and it was kind of like lipstick on a pig. It had been remodeled, but I mean, it was, there were just so many weird things about this house. So we got it for a pretty good deal. And then um, I knew we wanted to remodel it and take advantage of the amazing lot because it was really closed off. And so we didn't remodel right away. We just lived in it. Uh, there was foundation issues. There was a big crack running across our living room for many years. And, um, and then finally, when we had the cash, you know, pay, lux pay luxury with cash is what Gary Keller tells us. Yeah. Um, we decided to remodel it. So we moved out. Um, I got a Horrible contractor. I ended up firing him. I ended up becoming the the GC for the last bit of it. And anyway, it's our it's our dream home. 
And um, so that's another example of kind of, you know, highest and best use for the land, right? And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. We're going to definitely acquire some more properties, but we're also going to upgrade the ones that we have. And I think sometimes I see people... Um, just kind of letting their rental properties fall into ruin almost, you know, and letting the rents go down. And I personally think that's a mistake, you know? So it's like, we try to keep our properties up, upgraded and raise the rents and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm the same way. I feel like the previous generation of landlords was more of, I'm just going to let it go and yeah. we'll keep paying rent and not yeah. spend any money on it. Right. Everybody I know now is constantly doing repairs and fixing them up and yeah. raising the rent. So yeah, completely agree. I think that's the way to go. And yeah. if you need to sell it, you're in a much better spot. Exactly. Well, that's the thing for me is like, I never want to be in a position where, because, you know, we very well might roll into, you know, when I started in real estate in 2009, it was the fourth quarter of 2009 which arguably was like the worst time to get into real estate in Austin. And, um, you know, properties were sitting three, four, five months not, and not selling. There's lots of properties that didn't sell. You know, buyers would go out and we'd, we'd look at 12 to 15 homes in a day. And then they would choose between the 12 to 15 and they would maybe make an offer on three to four. So we can't really have this idea that, our properties are just going to sell no matter what. And so I have that mentality and I'm like you, I like to keep them fixed up. So if I did need to liquidate them, um, I could do it fairly quickly. Yeah. No matter what market, no matter what. Yeah. I could sell it. Um, So Wendy, you've done a bunch of deals and you've been in Austin for a while. What's something you'd tell people so they don't walk into a bad deal or advice you'd give to people on how to avoid a bad deal here in Austin? Hmm. Well, um, just in general, it could just be in general. Just in general. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, like, know your investing criteria. Um, that's, first of all, I think people get overwhelmed by everybody wants, quote unquote, a good deal, but they don't really know what their investing criteria is. Mm-hmm. And so figuring out what your criteria is, uh, whether it's multifamily or single family or whatever it looks like. Um, and then I like to look for properties that, um, that need a little TLC, honestly, because you get, that's how you get the the best deal. And, and right now in Austin, you know, the, the properties that are getting 60 to 90 offers on them are the ones that are completely adorable. Um, and if you can solve a problem, that's how you make money. Right. So that is literally how you make money is you solve a problem. So if you can go in and there's a, like, for instance, our house, before we remodeled it, you walked right in the front door and there was this AC closet. It was like literally right the right when you walked in. And uh, and then in our kitchen, there's these two giant columns right in the middle of our kitchen. And so we took those out and we put a like a, a beam across the top. We removed the AC. So like that was uh, – it's so it feels completely different. So if you can solve a problem, you know, do that. And then – uh, the other thing that I would say is, you know, just have have criteria. Like our criteria is three bedroom, two bath, brick exterior, right? Because that's a house that everybody would want. You don't have to paint it ever. Yeah. And then a house that, um, you know, like has a newer AC, a newer roof, right? Otherwise, you're going to be paying $17,000 or $15,000 out of your pocket right away. Um and and there's no really bad neighborhoods in Austin. Um, well, there are, but not really. So, not really. You know, that's a question. Of course, I, I get as a realtor all the time, and I know mm-hmm. you get that question of, "Hey, mm-hmm. where are the bad areas to avoid in Austin?" You know, ah. there, there's not really. There's not. There's no. What are probably lower end areas, but there's nowhere bad or dangerous. I live in yeah. East Austin. I live in arguably what some people would consider a bad area and I never feel unsafe ever. Yeah. Well, it's probably cause you're there. That's why it's bad. Yeah, it's because I'm exactly, yeah, because <laughs> I moved in, then the neighborhood just went downhill from there. Uh, but, you know, there's really not any dangerous, you know, you, 
I don't know that Moorhead Fargo has any dangerous areas, but of course no. places in New York where you might not. Want yeah. Well, my husband's from Memphis. I mean, there are dangerous areas in Memphis yeah. that you do not go in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was yeah. actually just in Memphis and it's, it's still that way. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about having your criteria, which I think is really important. Everybody says, well, I want to get into real estate. Well, what do you want to do? Um, and also have, having some value add or some way you can force equity in a property is a big deal. Yep. One thing newer investors should know if they're, let's say they just got out of college mm-hmm. and they say, oh, I want to get into real estate investing. What do you mm. tell somebody like that? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. That would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, it's kind of what you were talking about at the beginning, which is get into do do a house hack. Like if I had to do it all over again, for sure we would do that. For sure we would have bought a duplex um, and had, you know, and, and even if you don't buy a duplex, buy a single family home if you're single Get a couple of roommates. Even if you're not single, get a roommate. Yeah. You know, 50% of a typical American's budget is spent on their housing and their commute, right? And if you can roll out of college and keep your expenses at college level, like you're still eating ramen and other, and you've got roomies, if you could do that for five years, even five years, right? Until you're in your late 20s. If you can do that for five years and basically pay no living expenses, you know, somebody else is paying your mortgage, you could probably buy two or three other properties during that time. And that's going to be enough, right, to literally set yourself up for life. Mm -hmm. You know, even having one investment property at the end of your life significantly changes your quality of life. Or you could sell it and put a kid in college or put yourself a nice nursing home at a certain point. So that would be my advice is um, just go ahead and do that. Suck it up, you know, just suck it up, save the money. I mean, I I had an agent on my team who she really wanted to buy her first house. And and so she said, but I just can't figure out how I'm going to do it. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And so I said, well, let's look at your expenses. And uh, because a lot of people think the way you get rich is you you make more money. And the reality is, is the way you get rich is you mitigate your expenses. Mm -hmm. And so what I said to her is I said, okay, let's look at where you're living. She was living in a furnished apartment in downtown Austin. She's paying $1,700 a month in rent alone. And so I said to her, I said, what, you know, can we change your housing situation? Well, I don't want to. I, well, of course you love it. You are living downtown Austin in a fantastic furnished apartment. Yeah, of course. But what do you want more? You, do you want this living situation for a year or do you want to buy a house? And so she sucked it up and she got a, uh, she moved out of downtown Austin. She moved into a house with two other women and she, she went from paying $1,700 a month in rent to $600 a month in rent. And so by that alone, she was able to save $1,100 a month. And in one year, she was able to, to save up enough money for a down payment on her first home. Yeah. And you can do that whatever stage of life you're in. You know, I've seen people uh, who are in a fantastic home in a fantastic neighborhood, sell their house, move into an apartment drastically reduce their expenses, right? And then get back on their feet financially. And if you can do that when you graduate from college, right? Where you're not even have to, having to take a step backwards, you're already living on ramen, you know? Um, it's actually huge. If you can do that for 10 years, which is really what Jay and I did, you know, we, we didn't start investing until we were 30. So for about 10 years, we felt poor, right? We had a lot of net worth, but we felt poor, and, uh, and then all of a sudden you look up, right. And you know, you've got a, uh, an eight figure net worth. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? And, and that can happen in about, you know, 10 to 15 years. And if you start earlier, you can literally retire at age 35. Yeah. 
And I, I really like what you talked about. So let's take your, what was it? Second property, for example, if you had mm -hmm. just bought that one mm -hmm. and you had held it for 30 years, it was worth a yeah. million dollars paid off. You have a million dollars. All you have to do is buy one. Yeah. You guys kept going over and over and, yeah. and keeping your lifestyle level. Yep. I think that that's really the key. And I love the podcast your husband and Gary have where a lot of what they talk about is you know, frugality and how to mm -hmm. invest smartly and over yeah. the long term. That's, or maybe that was the most recent season. I'm sorry. That's not all I talk about. So you're Yeah. I think that's the sixth, the sixth season of think like a CEO. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Listen to that, yeah. but keep your expenses low. Yeah. You can go out and make more money, but keep your expenses the same for a while, live in a house with other people mm -hmm. or buy a duplex and live in half we don't live uncomfortably in this duplex with three beds, one bath and a yard. No, no. So yeah. Yeah. You're not on top of each other. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think it's just super smart. And, um, and then you can basically have, you know, you can basically achieve financial freedom Yeah. and then you get to have choices, right? You know, money doesn't buy us happiness. Money buys us more and better choices. And, uh, and so that's what I'm looking for. You know, Jay and I have always, always, always set ourselves up so that going to work is a choice. Uh, you know, and he's been blessed to be at Keller Williams for over 20 years. And it's a choice. Every single day that he's ever worked there, it's been a choice to go there or not. And I see people who 70% uh, of Americans hate their jobs. Wow. You know? They dread Mondays, living for the weekend. You know, not me. I love my life. I wake up every day. I'm like, this is awesome. I mean, not every day. You know, some days are bad, but uh, most every day is pretty awesome. And that's because I have a lot of choices. I know that whatever I want to do, I can, I can do it, you know. And then you can follow your heart, right? So I have a big real estate business. Um, I don't sell a lot of properties anymore. Uh, I get to do the things that I want to do, which is to do give back, like, you know, share my time on podcasts like this, uh, meet with people, have conversations, work on charity stuff. I mean, all of that stuff. And the reason I'm able to do that is because for about 10 years, um, I was very frugal. And instead of putting money back into my house or buying a BMW, I bought investment properties. Yeah, I love you. You spoke. It's something I was at one time where you talked about another realtor you're meeting with had a nice car and he took you out and said, well, how do I hire people to help? Yeah. Well, it's an agent in our office, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's an agent. Um, in our, it's in our it's agent on our hallway. I'm not going to say you. <laughs> but yeah, we we actually he he's like, Wendy, you you've really masked because that's the other thing, too, is that. If you live below your means, you can you can you can buy your time back through other people. And what most realtors do is is they 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 raise their uh, living standards of living to their income level. So then they're trapped, right? They can't take some of that money and and buy their time back through other people, and so I was um, approached by a he's he's a good friend of mine, and he said, Wendy, I want to take you out for lunch because, um, you know, you do such a good job of leveraging, and I need to leverage myself. And I said, Okay, great, you know, you're buying, and um, and so we got into his Audi A7 which is a sweet ride. It is nice. Brand new Audi A7, beautiful car. And I was like, wow, I love your car. That's awesome. Is this new? Yeah, brand new. And then we got launched into this discussion and he was like, well, leverage is so expensive and it's so expensive to buy an operations person and an EA is really expensive. And I turned to him and I said, you know, we're sitting in your EA right now. <laughs> we are literally sitting inside your EA. But the Audi doesn't make you money, and the EA might. So. No, the the Audi actually is a depreciating asset. That the second you drive it off the lot, it's worth ten percent less, and three years after you own it, it's worth forty percent less. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whereas uh, hiring a good person can actually make your business grow exponentially, and if you hire the right person, they can hire other people. Yeah. Yeah, I love the saying that, you know. 
everybody wants to be a millionaire, but they actually just want to spend a million dollars. Yeah. That's yeah. That was from, uh, this is Morgan Housel's book. This book. Oh. I love this book. Have you read this book? Uh, it's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. Psychology of money. Morgan said that, which is everybody thinks that being a millionaire is about spending a million dollars, but actually um, being a millionaire is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, actually from that book, one of my favorite little snippets was in 1950, I want to say the average house was three beds, one bath, and 1,100 square feet. And now the average house is four bed, three bath, 2,500 that they're building. Yeah, it's crazy. People wonder why we can't afford everyday living anymore. It's not that things have gotten so expensive, it's that our lifestyle has gotten so extravagant. Exactly. Yeah, we've got four TVs. Yeah. Right. And designer clothing and all of the things. Yeah. All of the things. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure to consume. Right. We do live in a consumer economy and a lot of there's a lot of justification. Like I'm, I'm propping up the, co- the economy by spending money, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think about the car industry, you know, I don't even know it's a multi-billion dollar industry that is pressuring you at every turn to have a better lifestyle, happier, sexier, whatever, if you just buy this car. And the, the, the joke is, is that people think like, oh, the first time I get a major repair, I need to go get a new car. When the reality is every car you buy these days can be driven well over 200, sometimes up to 250,000 miles with, you know, regular maintenance and, and maybe you'll have to replace some things, but, um, they the, the industry has done a very good job of pressuring us, you yeah. know? And I drove for many, many years as a real estate agent, a little Volkswagen um, sport wagon, which I loved. Um, and I basically drove it till I couldn't drive it anymore. And I never had anyone be like, I don't want to use you as my realtor, you yeah. know? And if people ever asked, I said, well, listen, I spend my money on houses. That's a, a, a great myth you just dispelled there. Everybody thinks as a realtor, oh, I need to get a nice car. So yeah. People think I'm successful. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've always driven a Mazda. Yeah. Nothing special. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, all right, Wendy, you're still investing in Austin. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give people working with you or your team who are looking to invest in Austin? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I don't tell them, I usually ask them a lot of questions and, um, as an investor agent, I feel like that's our obligation is to understand what their investing needs are. And so we have an invest investor questionnaire that we, we just, we just run through we ask them, Hey, what's important to you? Um, do you want cash flow? Do you want this? Do you want that? Um, are you willing to, to be your own property manager, at least for a year? Are you willing to spend money on it? So it's really dependent on their needs. I mean, we've worked with uh, doctors who've bought multi-million dollar properties as investments uh, and it didn't need to cash flow. They just wanted to see the appreciation and actually they appreciated the the tax uh, benefits. Yeah. Um, and we've helped, uh, you know, brand new investors right out of college who are, who are doing house hacking. So it just depends. It really depends. I would say get a good realtor who knows investing like Jordan Moorhead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, absolutely. You know, appreciate that. Love what your team does too. So there's tons of good realtors that actually are investors and know investing. I think my biggest piece of advice, no matter where you are, is find a realtor who is also an investor. Yeah. And knows it because they've done it themselves. 100%. Love that stuff. Um, so we just talked about a business book that that I love, The Psychology of Money. What is your favorite or most recommended business book that you like to tell people to read? Well, that's a gimme. I mean, hello. <laughs> Highly recommend this one. Awesome. <laughs> it's called The One Thing. Yeah, we've been living this book for many years. Uh, my husband wrote it with Gary Keller. Uh, is the co-author. And um, it's really about everything we've talked about today, which is leverage, right? Figuring out the 20%, which is literally what investing is about, which makes real estate investing so amazing, is you can 
uh, you know, pay for college 20 cents on the dollar, right? Let's talk about utilizing your 20%. And it also helps you figure out what your 20% is. So my 20%, which is the, 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 the things that are most important and I need to focus my time on is not going to be the same as yours or any of you that are listening. And if you're building your life as a real estate investor or as a real estate agent, the amazing thing is, is you get to choose, you get to, you get to choose what you do every single day. You get to wake up and pick the things that you're good at. And then if you can master leverage, right, either through money or people or systems, you can leverage out, you know, everything else so that you can wake up every day and just absolutely love your day. Yeah. Love that. Love the one thing, uh, recommend people read it and then reread it a few times to really understand it. Everybody needs to buy it for all of their clients. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a couple other good books, of course, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor mm-hmm. is an amazing book if you're a real yeah. estate investor and interested in investing. But one thing, no matter what business you're in, no matter what you do, it's an amazing book to read. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're looking for a wealth building primer, I love Set for Life by Scott Trench. I don't know if yeah. you've read that one. Oh, yeah. If you're just getting started, and especially if you're younger, uh, it's just, it's written for younger people. He talks about everything we talked about today. He talks about buying your time back, financial freedom, house hacking, all of those things. And it's just written in a really c- clear, easy to read um, kind of prose uh, that I just, that I love and I, and I recommend it all the time. So. Yeah, that's an awesome book. I don't, I don't want to get back into it too much, but I think that he talks about one of the biggest pieces there, which is budgeting and saving. You know, mm-hmm. if you can, you, you're not going to invest in real estate very well unless you can control your money. Exactly. And that for life teaches you that. Yep. Wendy, how can people best get a hold of you and your team? Uh, well, I'm probably easy, most easily reached at, uh, on Instagram at Wendy Papazan. Uh, I have a weird last name, so it's pretty easy to find me, you know, P-A-P-A-S-A-N. There's there's only one me, as far as I know, out there. And uh, so, yeah, Instagram is probably the best way. Or, I mean, you can send a message through our website, too. But I respond to all direct messages on Instagram. Absolutely. And last question, most important question here. I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to let you tell our listeners, what is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Hmm. Uh, well, for sure, it's the Odd Duck or anything that serves tacos. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Wendy. I really appreciate you being on here. Again, if anybody wants to get a hold of Wendy, the best ways are Instagram and then papazonproperties.com. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for coming Thank you on. so much. Keep being awesome. Great I love day. what you're doing. You. See you later. <laughs>